Hey there, I'm really glad that you've come to check out the KZMC Weekly Teaching. My name is Ryan Yancey and I'm the lead pastor. KZMC gathers together for worship every Sunday morning at 9.30 a.m. in person. You can also join us by our live stream available on YouTube. If you're from the area and you're not already connected to a church, we'd love to have you come join us. You can find the full details at kzmc.ca. It's my hope and it's my prayer that God will speak to you through this teaching. May you have a marvelous day. So we're talking this morning about the, uh, the Ten Commandments, these rules that we have for living. Rules, I'm, as, as I'm sure you can imagine, rules are a big part of my life these days with, these, with kids. And uh, maybe you're in the thick of it with your own kids, maybe you think of it with your grandkids, maybe you're, you're past those days of having to work through rules with your kids, but there's a lot of rules, and I'm not going to put my kids on the spot and ask them to name some of those rules, because there's probably, probably quite a few of them. But uh, yeah, stuff like when you're done having a snack, clean up after yourself, because mom and dad aren't your maids. Rules like sharing your toys. Rules like, let's see here, off the top of my head, I'm forgetting all of the rules. Bathroom rules, those are big ones these days. You flush the toilet, you put down the seat, you wash your hands, you turn off the lights. So many rules, and you go over them over and over and over again. And one of the key rules right now is uh, when you go out the patio door, close the patio door behind you. And you might think, well, what's the big deal? One of those rules, in the moment, does it really matter if I don't close the door? But that night when you're trying to go to sleep and there's a fly buzzing around and it keeps landing on your nose and you can't sleep because of that pesky fly, you're like, ah, there's a reason for this rule. Mom and dad had some good sense when they told us that we got to close the patio door. Lots of rules. And honestly, as a parent, and I imagine that many of you can identify with this, some days you think, good heavens, I'm not being hard enough on these, these rascals. And other days you think, good heavens, I'm being too hard on them. And you're always fluctuating and up and down and not sure if you're going about this quite right. But I want you, as, as we think about the Ten Commandments that we receive from God, I want you to think about what rules look like in your family. Why do we give these kids rules? It's not just because we want to be in control. It's not just because we want them to do whatever we say. And in fact, actually, as parents, we have to keep ourselves in check. In a world that's chaotic and, and uh, you know, just we might feel out of control, but then in our homes, that can be the place in which we want to have that sense of control. And if our rules and our leadership is coming from that place of, I just need to control my kids, that's not helpful, that's not wise, that's not loving. But if it's coming from this sense of, I want to nurture a thriving family, that's a much better place. And really, we have these rules because we want our families to thrive. I want my kids to grow up to be people who can bless others, to be people who are responsible contributors, uh, contributors of society, people who honor their mom and dad, people who honor God. And so we have these rules to instruct them over the years. That's the same for all of you with your own kids, with your nieces and nephews, those whom you have responsibility to raise youngsters. I want us to be free to be who God has called us to be. And so we get to the Ten Commandments in our text today. We've been following this journey with Israel. Uh, we're now at Exodus 19 and 20. And the theme for our series is uh, this journey to freedom. We're on this journey to freedom. And so the Israelites, they were oppressed. They were slaves. They were living under great hardship. And God says, I'm going to rescue you to be my special people, a people that's a blessing 
to all the nations. And so he shows up and he shows Pharaoh how powerful he is. He leads them out. They cross the Red Sea. An incredible miracle that the waters part. Pharaoh changes his mind, chases after him. God closes the water back over Pharaoh and his army as an act of judgment as he saves the Israelites to this life of freedom. But as we looked, back, looked at last week, they're in the, in the desert, and they're not actually all that free. They're still pretty messed up inside. They still can't trust God. They still grumble, and they still complain. Things are still a mess. And so God saved them out of slavery, but he is still saving them to be the fullness of who he has created us, created them to be. And so it is with us, right? We place our faith in Jesus. He saved us from our sins. He covered us with his blood to alleviate the judgment that we were going to face. Our sins are paid for. We're set free. I'm saved. If I die today, I know that I'm going to go to be in the presence of our Lord forever, awaiting his creation of the new heavens and the new earth. I will live with him because I am saved from sin. But I'm still kind of messed up. You're still kind of messed up. We still have these ways of sin and evil in our hearts, and God is, has us on this journey in light of his mercy, in light of his grace, but he's working at us to weed these things out of us so that we would walk with him. And so now God has Israel at this point of giving them the Ten Commandments. Now, I don't know about you, sometimes rules feel kind of restrictive. Sometimes it feels not free at all, but actually... Uh, well, just restrictive. My sheep, these rules we have for my sheep, it's actually quite restricting for them. I want to take care of them so I can eat them. We often have these rules and they feel restrictive to us. But I think that God's heart, we see God's heart in this text that this call to live in light of his commands is actually an invitation to live more freely, to live the fullness of a thriving life according to who he has created us to be. I have a concern. My concern is that for followers of Jesus today, we've been highly influenced by the values of society around us, by the growth of individualism over the past century. The growth of individualism, I will direct my own life. I'm not responsible to anyone else, not to my family, not to my neighbors. I'll do what's best for me. We're, we're steeped in it. We make decisions according to what's best for us. I will be the director of my own life. And that works its way into our faith, where we think that more or less it's up to us to decide what the best course is. It's up to us to decide what is right and what is good. We're steeped in post-modernity, a reaction against modernity. If those terms are helpful for you, awesome. I'm not going to explain them more here. But this idea with post-modernity um, a good corrective to modernity, but now we're this idea of moral relativism. Your story is good for you. My story is good for me. There is no central authority. There is no central truth. You make up your own truth. Postmodern values. In some ways, postmodernity has been helpful, but it's led us to this extreme of determining personally what we think is right and what is true. And whether we want to admit it or not, we have been influenced by this. And so it works itself out in our lives that we're more than happy to talk about the grace and the mercy of God. We're more than happy to talk about what it means to be in relationship. We're more than happy to talk about the future ahead of us. But we don't really talk about what God asks of us. Well, it's kind of up to me to decide, and we probably won't say it out loud, but I'm going to decide what's best for me. We don't talk about the commands of Jesus. 
and the various pieces in Scripture, we kind of decide, well, this kind of fits with me. I'm not so sure about that, so I'm not going to tell anybody I don't listen to it, but I'm more or less going to do my own thing. We don't have time for the ways of God and how he's lived out the call to live according to his will. And so in this text, I want to actually, I want us to see God's heart in giving these commandments, in giving the commandments through Jesus and the, uh, the writers of the New Testament. God's heart that we would actually be more free when we line our lives up according to what God has said. So the most interesting thing about this text, the foundation for all of it, we cannot understand the Ten Commandments until we understand this idea of relationship with God. Our obedience to God must be motivated by relationship to Him. When I see my kids out playing, my heart swells. I, uh, I've, as you know, I've had the opportunity to work from home these last, last little while, once the kids are back in school, just to kind of be more, more present. Um, you know, when I take a break and grab lunch, whatever, just to be around a little more present, supportive. It's long days for all you moms at home with your kids all day, day after day after day, your older age kids. Anyway, I've been home. So I'm sitting in my office, up my desk in my bedroom. I can see out the window and, and I'm sitting there and I, I see Lukey just cruising along on his bike. He's got no shirt on, his shorts pulled up real high up to his belly button. He's got a hockey helmet on and he's off to some adventure. And I see him, he's just loving life, and I can't help but smile to myself. Like, actually, I'm all by myself, but this big smile comes by. I'm like, man, that kid's rocking it. Like, I love that kid. And, you know, we think about this over our kids at various points. When they build a teepee back by the creek, I'm like, man, I love these kids. When they, the other week, I had to get them to clean out the chicken coop, and I was like, oh, my goodness, like, this is going to be, like, chaos. Uh, I'm not sure how this is going to go, if there's going to be, like, grumbling and complaining, whatever. And I told them exactly what to do. And all of a sudden, like, Dad, we're done. I was like, oh, my goodness, like, this... Oh, boy. There's no way you guys are done. So I go back and I look, and they were done. They did a marvelous job. They worked so hard. They just put their heads down. They got it done. And I was so proud of them. You have these moments with the kids in your life of being so proud. And even after days that are rough and you just feel like you're at your wit's end, you tuck them in, they fall asleep. Before you go to bed, you look, and they're there snoring away. And you're like, man, I love these kids. It starts with this relationship. And the capacity for kids to follow our rules stems from the the reality of us sitting with them, being with them, honoring them, cuddling with them, right? Right? If it's all just rules, that's not going to be helpful. The only way that these rules are helpful is if we're in relationship with them. And we see this with God and the Israelites here. If we look at uh, Exodus chapter 19, verses 4 to 6, I'm not going to read the whole section. It would be two chapters this morning, but I'm going to dive into bits and pieces. So Exodus 19, verses 4 to 6. It says, you yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. So he's saying, remember, I saved you guys. I've been looking out for you. I've carried you on my wings. When you couldn't do it yourself, I was there. Verse 5, now if you fully obey me and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations, you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole world is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you were to speak to the Israelites. We have here words of relationship. God's saying to them, he's saying, I love you. I picked you. I'm forming a community. He talks about them being a kingdom. And then he talks about his covenant. So the covenant is this relationship with them where he says, like, I'm I'm with you the whole way. And if you stay with this relationship, if you walk with me, you're going to experience the fullness of blessing of that relationship. But he's saying, I love you, I'm with you, I'm choosing you. He says he's going to make them a kingdom of priests. 
What did priests do? Priests were agents of or mediators of God's blessing in the world. He's saying, I'm going to make the world a better place through you. Doesn't that fit with how we understand our kids, our nieces and nephews? We invest in these people because we want to see them bless the world, make the world a better place because of our influence in their lives. And so it is with God when he's giving these Ten Commandments. He's saying, I'm with you. I am forming you because I want you to reflect who I am in the world around. And this will guide you in that. And so this has to be the foundation. You know what? If if you walk away from here and you completely forget about the Ten Commandments, that's, that's okay. Because what you need to hear first and foremost is that God loves you, God has chosen you, and God wants to live life with you. Now, ideally, we'll pick up the whole thing. We'll go, go home with an idea about the Ten Commandments or God's commandments. I want that to happen, but it's way more valuable for you to get this part rather than get only the Ten Commandments and forget about that, go home like, oh, shoot, i got to do all these things to make God happy. That's not helpful. That's not where we're going. It comes from that foundation of you are loved by God. Every single one of you, God has chosen you to walk with him, and God is going to bless the world through you. This has to be the foundation. So obedience is motivated by relationship. The second piece we see in this text is that obedience is motivated by holiness, by God's perfection. If holiness doesn't really make sense to you, it's it's kind of a hard word to grasp and understand, but one way would be God's perfection. And this is where the family parallel breaks down. Like we, we invest in our kids and raise our kids, but it's not because we're we're any, any better or, or separate or perfect. But that's where God's instruction comes from. He is separate. He is perfect. He is good. How do we understand holiness? One way would be to think about the sun. If I were to look at the sun, I mean, I just glanced up with sunglasses on, and man, that's hard on the eyes. I would wreck my eyes if I looked at it for several seconds. I'm told that the core of the sun is 15 million degrees. And I think that's Fahrenheit. You know what? As I'm talking, I didn't look up if that was Celsius or Fahrenheit. Anyway, 15 million degrees. That's crazy hot. The sun is so hot that if a pinhead, the head of a pin was heated to the temperature of the center of the sun, it would emit enough heat from that pinhead to kill everybody who ventured within a thousand miles of it. You believe that? The, The head of a pin... If it was as hot as the sun, everybody within a thousand miles. Now, how far is a thousand miles? I know kilometers. Some of you folks who know miles of the older generation, how far would you get in a thousand miles? Eight hundred twenty-five. So Montreal. Oh, to the Quebec border. That's kilometers to the. Okay. So yeah, a bit further in Montreal, Quebec City maybe. So if someone was standing in Montreal, because that's this side of that, that barrier, and I had a pinhead as hot as the sun, they would die. That's crazy. I can't even comprehend that. And so to think about the holiness of God, like we, we can't comprehend the holiness of God, how great he is, how majestic, how powerful, how bright and perfect he is, pure in love and goodness. We can't comprehend it. We need the sun but we have to have that distance. We need God's holiness. And honestly, I don't understand this, but we have to have that distance from it. So we see God's holiness on display in this text. Let me read to you chapter 19, verses 16 to 19. It says, On the morning of the third day, so everyone's gathered around. 
sorry, I should say this. Moses gathered the people around and, and God setting up to give them the law. They had to consecrate themselves. So just a, a, a way of washing themselves to remind themselves of coming impurity and the significance of this moment. And they set up ba- boundaries, barriers around the mountain to keep people safe and at a distance. So if we start at verse 16, it says, On the morning of the third day, there was thunder and lightning with a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. Everybody in the camp trembled. And Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it with fire. The smoke billowed from it like smoke from a furnace, and the whole mountain trembled violently. That'd be be pretty incredible to see. How would you not forget something like this? And the trumpet grew louder and louder, and Moses spoke, and the voice of God answered him. There's other instances of God's holiness in this text, but that gives you a bit of a, a glimpse God's power on display. God is saying to them, I'm not like you. I created you. You're made in my image, but I am not like you. You are not like me. I am greater. I'm far more powerful. I'm the creator of the universe. I can do whatever I want. God is reminding them here, you know what? Like these commands I'm given, it's not just a buddy telling you what to do. It's not just like, hey, you know what? I think this would be good advice. It's not somebody who's fallible. You know what, we've, <laughs> we're all over the map with, with COVID stuff. I know that as I look at you. And uh, we've, been, we've had a hard time with the guidelines, with the, right, the rules that we've been given through this. And some of us have appreciated them more or less, and some of us have not appreciated them at all. You know that I've been relatively supportive of stuff, but there's been times like, good heavens, like this rule just doesn't make sense to me. God's rules are entirely different. We are given rules by folks who are fallible, folks who don't see the whole situation. God is the powerful creator of all things. He sees and knows all things. He knows every reality. He knows what's in everybody's heart. He knows what good and perfect life looks like. And so it is out of that place of holiness that God is giving us these laws. He knows best. He's not just saying, hey, check this out. Give it a shot. You know, it might, might help you out. God is saying, I am holy. I am your creator. I know all things. This is what the good life looks like. And so he gives them these commands. Now, of course, when we think of the holiness of God, there are differences. The holiness of God in that moment was terrifying. The text says that Moses himself actually trembled greatly. But we know as people of God on this side of the death and resurrection of Jesus that the, when Jesus died on the cross to forgive our sins, the temple curtain separate, in the place of worship separated God from humanity. That curtain tore down the middle, opening up access to God. We see in the scriptures, Hebrews, it tells us to approach the throne of God with confidence because we have this forgiveness. And so there's this weird thing, and I don't confess to understand it, where we respect God, God is holy and separate, but we can also come with confidence. So it's kind of like fear, but not fear. I don't know if that makes any sense to you or not. Sort of fear, reverence, awe, but not come with quaking in fear. And Hebrews 4 actually talks to this. It says, or sorry, Hebrews 12, they talk specifically about this event in Exodus. Moses and the people around Mount Sinai, the writer of Hebrews says, they came to Mount Sinai quaking with fear. Moses himself with trembling with fear. And that says, you have come to to, uh, Mount Zion. You come to the heavenly city through Jesus, the mediator of the covenant. And this is different. Even as Hebrews talks about working out our salvation with trembling and fear, Even as 2 Corinthians 5.11 says, we know, this is after Jesus, it says we know what the fear of the Lord is. So we're to fear, but not fear. I don't know. I don't know how to explain that any further. You can sort that out in your own minds because I don't don't know what more to do with that. But fear, fear, but not fear. Maybe it's helpful if you're familiar with 
the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And Mr. Beaver is explaining to Susan about the nature of God. And she's asking these questions. He says, Aslan is a lion, the lion, the great lion. Aslan is the lion, is the God figure in this story. Ooh, said Susan, I thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. And Mr. Beaver says, safe? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. He's not safe, but he's good. What does it look like for us to walk in light of that? And I really actually do think that part of our, I, I see it, I see it in my own heart, I see it among followers of Jesus, a disregard for the commands of God. We could take it or leave it. We'll kind of do what we think is maybe best, but we're not that interested in what God has laid out for us in Scripture. And it stems from this sense that we'll figure it out ourselves. We've lost this sense of a God who is, who is safe, sorry, isn't safe, but good. I've been mixing that up there. He isn't safe. God is not safe, but he's good. And we've lost that sense. So then we get to the commandments. I'm actually not going to spend a lot of time with the commandments. I think that they're, you know, relatively explanatory. You can consider, you've considered them in other contexts. I'll just say them quick. They are, you shall have no other gods before me. Nothing else that you serve ahead of the one true God. You shall not make for yourself an image of me, any form, any physical representation of me to worship. And, and to us, that's maybe not quite as much of a big deal, but they lived in a society where that was very common. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Honestly, this does not mean not saying God's name in vain, not, not being, I'm not going to do it, but not, you know what I mean. It actually doesn't really speak to that. I don't think it's good to go around being, saying like God's name when you're angry or frustrated, but that's not really what it's talking about here. What it's talking about is when we take on God's name and speak on his behalf for things that don't honor him. Or in that day, they would, they would enter into trees and they would enter into a treaty on the name of their God. He's like, don't do that unless you actually are doing this in line with me. Don't go and do your own thing and just attach my name to it so that you look good or it's got extra power. People do that all the time. We do that. I, I, do, I need to be careful about that. I need to examine myself when we step out and do things in the name of God that don't represent him, that are just self-serving. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Um, a lot of debate about that. I had a professor in, in seminary who was really actually conservative on a lot of things, and he said we don't actually have to obey the Sabbath because it's fulfilled in Jesus. You look in Hebrews, it talks about Sabbath rest. Oh man, I, I'm not going to go down that, that rabbit hole. Um, I do think because it's in the Ten Commandments, I do think because it's set out in the creation order that we are absolute fools if we do not think that we should live in this way. If we do not think that we need to stop for one day of rest out of every seven. We're foolish. We think we can live in a way that God, um, that's separate from what God laid out. We think we can uh, operate within the, the capitalistic systems of our, our society that say, go, 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 drive, 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 do more, do more, do more, build up wealth. That's not how God's created us to live. God has created us to be a people who rest who don't have to constantly strive. I can say a lot more about that. Okay, next one. Honor your father and mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. Kids, ask your mom and dad for a more full explanation of you shall not commit adultery. We're not going to dive into that here, but it does go beyond just not kissing someone who's uh, not your wife when you are married. Um, you shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. If we really want to examine ourselves, man, there's all kinds of ways that we need to come clean in those areas. So when we think about the commands of God today, what does it mean for us? After this, they go into all these specific laws about like, 
society and like what to do. Oh, I'm not even going to get into it. Employee stuff, slave stuff. Um, anyway, all kinds of laws that we look at are like, oh my goodness, how does this apply to us? It's important to remember that after the Ten Commandments, those laws were a specific society at a specific time. The reason why we take the Ten Commandments is because Jesus spoke to them, and Jesus honored them and upheld them. The New Testament writers honored them and upheld them and taught other things that are just manifestations of what's in the Ten Commandments. Whereas we don't see the other Old Testament laws carried on for the New Testament followers of Jesus for us today. So I just want to make that, that point. We live these out because they're honored in the Scriptures. All kinds of other commands from Jesus. I don't want to make this just about the Ten Commandments, but commands of God in general. 1 John 5, verses 2 to 3 says, This is how we know that we love the children of God. By loving God and carrying out His commands. In fact, this is love for God, to keep His commands. We want to talk about Jesus. We want to talk about Jesus and all how he, he was so loving and merciful. And He was. He was. But do we want to talk about the commands of Jesus? His command, and it goes on to say, His commands are not burdensome. And then the actual words of Jesus, John 14, 15, If you love Me, keep My commands. Whoever has My commands and keeps them is the one who loves Me. Do we spend time looking at the commands of Jesus, trying to be as familiar as possible? So I, uh, I want to love Jesus today as best I can. All right, which commands am I going to really tackle this week? That might be a really good expression of love if we were to do that. And then Revelation 4.12, the end of the Scriptures, and it's talking about faithfulness among God's people in the midst of persecution. It says, This calls for faithful endurance on the part of the people of God who keep His commands and remain faithful to Jesus. It could have said all measure of things in, those, in that section, but it focuses on keeping the commands and remaining faithful to Jesus. Honoring God matters with our behavior, with our decisions. It matters that we look to what God laid out because in that, we live life more freely. And so it is. Oftentimes, we ignore the commands of God because we want to do what feels good in the moment. If there were no rules in my family, we'd have all had four ice cream bars by lunchtime, have a horrible headache, and in a couple of weeks, we'd all be in terrible health because we'd had bad nutrition and not taken in any, I don't know, fibers, proteins, all the nutrients we need because we'd have just snacked on ice cream bars. And so this is a little bit of why God leads us into these commands because it's big picture, what's best for you, what's best for the flourishing of society, what's best for the kingdom of God, not just what feels good right now. And honestly, I interpret the commands of God too often through just what feels good and what, what makes sense to me right now, right here. I'm going to finish up at this point with just an invitation to examine your life and to ask God, as I'm your child, as I'm saved, as I'm forgiven, like this isn't about getting God to like me more. It's not whether you're in or whether you're out. But do I want to live more fully into the freedom that God has for me? The freedom that God has for me. To truly enjoy life. To truly have a society that flourishes. Examine our lives. Am I actively seeking out obedience to the commands of God? If we're not, if we honestly don't give a rip, we're just going to kind of, our general sense of what's loving or merciful or what kind of maybe works for peace, and we just kind of float around doing whatever kind of makes sense to us in the moment, then we're missing the point. Jesus said, if you love me, you will follow my commands. And that's something that we need to hear. That's why Jesus gave these commands to the Israelites in the desert as this journey to freedom. God's commands lead to freedom. 
I'm not saying we'll always get the application of them right. We need to wrestle with that. But we at least need to receive them and say, I'm going to walk in light of what Jesus has laid out for me. Do you give consideration to the commands of God? May we embrace this. And like the Israelites said in this text, when they received the commands, Exodus 19, verse 8, they said, we will do everything the Lord says. Now, if you know anything about the text, they were terrible at that. (laughs) They were horrible. They did not walk in the commands of God, as we'll see in a couple of chapters. But they had that posture of the heart upon receiving the law. We won't do it great. But that posture of our hearts that we will say, God, yeah, we want to do everything that you've said. Is that what we want to walk in light of? Because God's commands lead us to freedom. I'm going to close in prayer, and I'll invite the music team to come on up while I, uh, as I pray. They talk, what kind of yoga is it where you do it in like, you sweat, it's like super hot. What's the name of that? Bikram yoga? We're going to do Bikram church. We're just all summer, we're just going to be out here sweating. (laughs) No, I encourage you to find creative ways, whether it is settling back into the trees, whether it is bringing a big beach umbrella, uh, maybe bring a picnic shell, whatever you want. Let's do what we can uh, to make this work well. And I, I also remind you, the reason why, on one hand, it's not ideal to meet on the parking lot. The reason why is so we can have this cord running for our live stream because we want the folks at home to, to join us. Um, so yeah, we'll just, we'll sweat it out. We'll sweat it out <laughs> together. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your commands. We thank you that uh, you have given us this way of life, that you've cared enough to step down from heaven in your power and glory, and show us the way to live. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would guide us however this message needs to land. God, maybe there's someone who's sitting under the burden the burden of, of feeling like they, they got to obey and do better, and they need to just hear a message of your love. God, I pray that you would speak that message over them, that they are chosen, that you've guided them, that this isn't about winning your favor. So I just pray that you'd bless them with those words of affirmation. God, for those of us who've just kind of been living according to our own ideas about what's best and and sort of resisting or just maybe kind of ignoring your commands. We've been influenced so, so much by individualism, post-modernity, all of this stuff. Um, I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would convict us, that you would draw us to your commands, that we would look to them for life and with joy and with hope and expectation. So Holy Spirit, I entrust this message to you to guide us in our hearts. We love you. Collectively, we say that. We love you. We want to walk with you. What a gift that we can know you and that you've given us a future. Thank you for the many gifts that you've given us. Thank you most of all, Jesus, for your saving work at the cross. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.